Amen. All right, well, tonight we are concluding this uh, series that we've been in called Happily Ever After, and uh, this has been a little bit of a unique series in the, sense, in the sense of the length of the series. Of course, we've been going through this series called Happily Ever After. We've been learning about the Christian home, and we've been uh, learning about principles from the Word of God for the Christian home. And we kind of divided the series into two sections. One section dealt with marriage, and then another section, uh, a small section, dealt with finances. And then the last final section dealt with, with uh, children. And this is the 18th sermon um, in this series. Uh, I've preached, it's taken us about 14 weeks to get through this series. And like I said, that's kind of unique for us. Usually when I preach a sermon series, um, when I preach through a book of the Bible, we just take as long as it takes to get through it. When I preach a sermon series, generally I will preach about six weeks. This has been 18 weeks, and the reason for that is because this sermon series is going to really be the foundation for all of the future premarital counseling, for all of the future people that get married uh, in, in, in this church. So I wanted it to be super thorough. So I've, uh, over the last 18 sermons, I've given you everything that I know about marriage and the family and, and all of that. And I hope it's been a help to you. I, I know as I've, as I've traveled the country and I've talked to people, this is the series that people keep bringing up to me, this Happily Ever After series. And if you remember, we started uh, 18 sermons ago with a sermon called The Institution of Marriage. And then I did a sermon called Are You Ready for Marriage? That was geared towards the singles. And I did a part one and part two. I did a sermon called Leadership and Submission in Marriage. That was part one and part two. I did a sermon called Love and Reverence in Marriage. Uh, Then I did a sermon called What the Bible Teaches About Divorce and Remarriage. I did a sermon called Conflict Resolution in Marriage, part one and two. I did a sermon called Boundaries to Protect Your Marriage. I did a sermon called Money and Marriage. I did a sermon called The Single Income Family. And then on Mother's Day, we transitioned to focusing on the kids. I preached a sermon on Mother's Day called What Every Mother Must Do. Then I did a sermon called What the Bible Teaches About Having Children. I did another sermon called What Every Parent Must Do. And then I did a sermon called Being Part of a Family Integrated Church. And then, of course, this morning I preached a sermon called What Every Father Must Do. And tonight we are going to end this series with a very specific sermon, a very uh, important sermon in my opinion, but a very specific sermon, and it is entitled Biblical Reasons to Homeschool. Biblical Reasons to Homeschool. And uh, let me just start off by saying this. I realize that not everybody... Uh, did homeschooling to when they were raising their children, for those of you that have raised your children. And I also realize that not everybody is able to do homeschooling. And uh, this sermon is not meant to be an indictment on those of you who did not homeschool your children or who are not able to homeschool your children. There are situations where maybe it's not possible to homeschool your children. Uh, We've had ladies in our church that were single mothers, and they had to go to work, and they were not able to homeschool their children. And in those situations, we obviously want to come alongside those ladies and be a blessing and help them in any way that we can. There's a lady in our church right now who would love to homeschool her children. Uh, Her husband does not go to church, and he will not allow her uh, to. And uh, what she does is she volunteers at the school that her kids are in, and she's the teacher's aide in the classroom where her daughter is, and she literally spends all day with her daughter in school. And uh, so I, I understand that there are not 
there are sometimes not the ability to homeschool, and we get that, and I'm not preaching this to attack anybody in that situation. I will say this, that I believe if you are able to, homeschooling is the best option for educating, uh, for an education of your children. And what this sermon really is, is an explanation of our biblical position at Verity Baptist Church on education and on homeschooling. Like I said, not everybody in our church homeschools, and when they don't or they're not able to, we don't look down on them. They are not second-class citizens. We love them, and we love all of your children uh, in, in, in whatever form of education you have them in. But I will say this. Our church is primarily a homeschooling uh, church. We have a homeschool group in our church with, I don't know, 70 or 80 kids in it, and uh, I would say the, the vast majority of uh, families in our church, church homeschool, and much of that reason is for the reasons I'm going to explain tonight. So I'd like to give you these thoughts, biblical reasons to homeschool. I'd like to give you three reasons why uh, we believe the Bible teaches that you should homeschool your children, if you're able to homeschool your children, if you have that ability uh, to be able to homeschool your kids. Now, you're there in Deuteronomy chapter number six, and I'd like you to, if you're able to, if you're able to take notes, I'd like you to maybe write on, on the back of your course of the week. There's a place for you to write down some notes, and uh, I'd like you to maybe write some of these things down. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, the Bible says this, And thou, I want you to notice that this is God speaking to the children of Israel. He says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day, you say, what words is he referring to? He's referring to the commandments of God, and, and specifically the words to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. He says, and these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. And I would like you to notice verse number 7. The Bible says, and thou shalt teach them, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. The Bible says, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. If you don't mind writing in your Bible or underlining in your Bible, I'd like you to underline that little phrase found there in verse number 7. Thou shalt teach them. You say, what is the biblical reasons for homeschooling, the reason that you promote homeschooling at Verity Baptist Church? Number one, the biblical reason for homeschooling is to educate your children. The Bible teaches that parents are the ones given the responsibility of educating their children, of educating their kids. Here we find an example in Deuteronomy 6-7 when the Bible says, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Notice he goes on to say, And shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. The Bible says, Thou shalt teach them. And I realize that when you preach this, and it's becoming less and less of this as time progresses, but uh, when you talk about education, sometimes these things seem very foreign to people. And because of COVID and, and all sorts of different things, maybe that's changing a little bit, but sometimes you tell people about homeschooling and they, they act like that that's crazy. And, and the reason for that is because we've all lived in a country or in a society, in a world culture, where... Uh, school systems 
is all we've ever known, this concept of sending your children to school. So to not do that and to keep your children at home and educate them at home seems foreign to most people. But I would just remind you that the school system is a relatively new system in comparison to all of world history. And when God put Adam and Eve in a garden and he gave gave them children, there was no uh, Garden of Eden elementary school for them to send their children to. There there was no uh, schooling system. When God is speaking to the children of Israel, there's no wilderness junior high school for them to send their kids to. Uh, and, And throughout human history, it's been understood that the responsibility of educating children falls on the parents. Parents are the ones given the responsibility of educating their children. And God says, hey, thou shalt teach them. Who's going to teach them? Not a professional educator at a public school system, but he says, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And I'd like you to keep your place there in Deuteronomy, if you would. That's our uh, uh, text that we're going to be looking a lot at tonight. So keep your finger there, but go with me if you would to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22. If you open up your Bible, just right in the center, right uh, in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22. I'm not sure if maybe one of the us or somebody could help me out. If we just put the AC down just a little bit, just a little bit. I realize I keep you guys uh, cold sometimes, and I hope that I don't keep you too cold, but I'd rather you be cold and awake then warm and, and, and a little too comfortable. Proverbs 22. Look down at verse number 6. When you ask the Bible the question, whose responsibility is it to train and educate children? The Bible is clear that it's your job, mom. It's your job, dad. Thou shalt teach them. Proverbs 22, verse 6. You know these verses well. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Here, this is a verse written to parents. It is the parent's job to train up a child. We, we saw this concept this morning in the, the idea of fathers instructing their children. But I want you to notice that this is a concept that's found in Scripture both for father and mother. Go, go to Proverbs chapter 1 if you would. We'll just run some verses real quickly. Proverbs chapter 1, look at verse 8. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible says, My son... Notice these words, hear the instruction of thy father. So whose job is it to instruct? A father is supposed to be giving instruction. Hear the instruction of thy father. Notice, and forsake not the law of thy mother. So both father and mother are to be instructing, are to be commanding, are to be giving law. Forsake not the, uh, the, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Go to Proverbs chapter 2, look at verse 1. Proverbs 2.1, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. Notice, we are supposed to give our children words and commandments. Go to Proverbs chapter 3, look at verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Go to Proverbs chapter 4, look at verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Notice Proverbs chapter 5, 
in verse 1, My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding. Go to Proverbs chapter 6, look at verse 20. My son, keep thy father's commandments, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Proverbs chapter 7, in verse 1, the Bible says, My son, keep my words, and lay up my commandments with thee. Go to Proverbs 31, look at verse 1. Proverbs 31 and verse 1. And I just want you to notice that as you run these verses, and we're just looking at them quickly, notice the Bible keeps bringing up a father speaking to his son, saying, forget not my law, keep my commandments, attend to my words, uh, hear my sayings, attend unto my wisdom, hear my uh, understanding. He, he says, keep thy father's commandments, for na- forsake not the law of thy mother. And I just want you to notice, you don't find a verse that says, uh, forsake not the commandments of the teacher. Forsake not the commandments of the educator. I mean, notice Proverbs 31 and verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his third grade teacher taught him. Is that what it says? The prophecy that his mother taught him. See, the Bible is clear that it is parents who are given the responsibility of educating their children. Parents are to train up children. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now keep your place right there in Proverbs. We're going to come back to it. But go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 if you would. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You say, why? what are the biblical reasons for homeschooling? Well, number one, you should homeschool to educate your children. I mean, that should be obvious. The reason that we have our children in any sort of program in order to educate is so that they can uh, be intelligent and have the knowledge that they need to have uh, to live and to uh, be able to be the adults that can provide for themselves and be uh, productive members of society. Parents are the ones that are given the responsibility of educating their children. But let me just say this as well. If your goal is to educate your children, if your goal is to make sure your children are prepared and equipped for life, which that should definitely be a goal when it comes to educating kids, then realize that it is the responsibility of parents. God has given that responsibility to a mother and to a father to educate their children. But also realize this, that the public school system is a failure as an institution of education. It is a complete failure. And you say, well, you know, how can, how can you say that? And how can you say that so authoritatively? Well, uh, it doesn't take much to just look at it and, and realize that. But let's just say this biblically from the Bible. The foundation of education is a fear of God. A foundation of education is the fear of the Lord, the Bible says. See, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, when he, in verse 7 he says, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. But before we even get there, in verse 5 he says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. He says, look, love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And then he says, and teach them diligently unto thy children. You say, why does he connect those thoughts? Here's why. Because the foundation of education is a fear, a reverence, and a love for God. This is what the Bible teaches. Keep your place there in Deuteronomy. Go back to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. You cannot have education without a fear of the Lord. You cannot understand creation without first knowing the Creator. Proverbs 1, look at verse 7. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The biblical word for uh, uh, instruction here is the word that we would use as education. The Bible says that knowledge begins with the fear of the Lord, that it is fools who despise wisdom and instruction. And look, here's all I'm trying to tell you. The public school system of today is a system that has kicked God out that does not acknowledge God, that does not welcome God, that teaches against God, that teaches that there is no God. And I'm here to tell you that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and you must have God as a foundation for education. And when you have an education system that has no foundation in God or the Word of God, you ought not be surprised that what they are graduating at those schools, literally, we're told today that the average high schooler can't barely even read the diploma that they're receiving. I mean, they're not learning the basics of reading, writing, and arithmetic. Say, how can that be? How can you put so much money and emphasis into an education system that fails to educate? Here's why. Because they removed God. And the foundation of education is a fear of the Lord. Go to Proverbs chapter 9. Look at verse 10. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. You know these verses, but let's just look at them. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 15 and verse 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. See, the foundation of education is a fear of the Lord, a fear of God. The problem with the government education system is that they have removed God. They've removed the Lord completely. You're there in Proverbs, just flip back to Psalm 14. Psalm 14. And listen, can we just be honest? These systems of education, public school, elementary, junior high, high school, junior college, universities, whatever you want, all of it, have not become institutions of education. They are not institutions of education. They are institutions of indoctrination. They are institutions of ideology. The problem with government education is that it removes God. Psalm 14 and verse 1, the Bible says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. You cannot have wisdom where there is no God. It is the fool that has said in his heart, there is no God. And look, isn't that, isn't that the truth? Look, they're not teaching your children uh, down at the public school system uh, true science. They're teaching them uh, religion, a false religion of evolution. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.20, you don't have to turn there. The Bible says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and opposition of science falsely so called. The Bible teaches that there are things that are called science, but it's falsely so-called. See, science is something that you can observe, that you can test, that you can predict, that you can, uh, uh, that you can study, and you can look at. But evolution is not science. No one has ever seen anything evolve into anything. It's just a bunch of stories. It's just a bunch of myths. It's just their ideology. It's their idea. But look, the fool said in his heart, there is no God. The Bible says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And listen, it used to be, I started Verity Baptist Church, my wife and I started this church 11 years ago. And for the past 11 years, we've been 
challenging parents and trying to encourage parents to pull their kids out of these systems and to educate them at home. And it used to be that the big thing that we would preach about is you don't want to send your kids down to learn that they were uh, you know, just the ancestor of some ape, that they were not created by God, that there is no plan, that there is no purpose to their life, that they're just a big mistake. It used to be that that was the big deal. You want to avoid the ideology of evolution. Nowadays, you know, if that's all your kids get exposed to, you're lucky. Because a fool, the fool said in his heart, there is no God. And the Bible is true when it says they are corrupt, they have done abominable works. Because you know what the big ideology that they're pushing in the public school system today is no longer evolution. I mean, they're still pushing that. But their big deal is the transgender, LGBTQ garbage. That's what they're pushing. That's what they want. That's what they're all about. That's 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 they don't care if your kids know how to do math or know how to read and write, but as long as they get them brainwashed on all of this garbage, that's what they're after. Go to Psalm 1. Look at verse 1. Please understand this. You, you, if, you're, if you're sitting at Verity Baptist Church on a Sunday night on Father's Day, I'm assuming you are saved. I'm assuming you love the Lord, you love the Word of God. And as a result of loving the Lord and loving the Word of God, you're probably conservative and tend to be more conservative in your views. And please understand this. The education system is filled with a bunch of crazy liberals. I mean, my, my family and I were just in, in, in Washington, D.C. on a little homeschool field trip ourselves. And, uh, and while we were there, you know, on the, in, in California, school ends uh, in, in June. And it begins... Uh, at, the, at the end of August, but on the East Coast, we were surprised to find out that they go, they, they start their summers after us. And uh, a lot of schools were still in session. Uh, most of the schools were still in session while we were on the East Coast, which was nice because we went to a lot of places and there wasn't just a bunch of uh, uh, kids there. But the kids that we did see were all on, uh, on field trips for their public schools. And I mean, literally, we're walking we're walking to go see the White House, and we're walking by this class of public school kids, all these little public school kids with their public school teacher taking a picture in front of the White House and having them say, all right, everybody say, we love Joe Biden on three. <laughs> and it's like, what in the world? Why are you teaching a bunch of, having a bunch of second graders or third graders, you know, worship Joe Biden? But that's what they're about. That's what they're teaching. Psalm 1.1, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. You say, why should we homeschool our children? What's a biblical reason? Here's a biblical reason. You've got to homeschool to educate. You say, well, you know, if we homeschool them, are they, are they going to be educated? People, they're, they're concerned. Well, if they don't go to school, are they going to be educated? You should be concerned. If I send them to school, are they going to be educated? Because they're not. And I'm not saying that every teacher is just a reprobate, and I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that are trying to actually do a good job and, and educate your children. But by and large, the education system of our country is a complete failure. By the way, everything our government does is a big failure. 
I mean, if you don't like how the DMV runs, imagine having the DMV educate your children. <laughs> Let me read for you some excerpts from an article here about homeschool children. You say, well, well, I want my children educated. Okay, well, uh, according to the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, H HSLDA, uh, which, which is a great organization, we recommend it, we're, we're a part of it, um, they commissioned a study from multiple standardized testing services. The national average percentage scores were higher in all subject areas for homeschoolers by at least 34 percentile points and as high as 39 percentile points is what they found. The National Home Education Research Institute reveals that home-educated students usually score 15 to 30 percentile points higher than public school students on standardized tests. The National Home Education Research Institute states that the College Board reported 2014 SAT scores for homeschooled students as been uh, as being significantly higher than scores for their traditionally schooled counterparts. You say, what's a reason to homeschool your children? Well, if you actually want your kids to be educated, then you might want to educate them in the foundation of a fear of God. Amen. Because it is parents who have been given the responsibility to educate their children, and the public school system is a failure because it's rejected the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the Word of God. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me give you a second reason. Biblical reasons for homeschooling your children. Number one, you had a homeschool to educate your children. Now that, you, you would think that's it. If, 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 if the goal is to educate children, then homeschool them. If the goal is to educate children, don't send them to public school, homeschool them. Amen. But let me just give you another reason. Biblical reasons for homeschooling your children. Number two, I said number one, homeschool to educate your children. Here's number two, Homeschool to protect your children. Amen. See, the Bible teaches that it is not only the parents' God-given uh, uh, responsibility to educate their children, it is also the parents' God-given responsibility to protect your children. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, look at verse 7 again. Notice what it says, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. I want you to notice that this verse highlights that Parents are supposed to be with their children at all times. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shall talk of them. Notice the emphasis in this verse. And shall talk of them when, notice this word, when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. The emphasis in this passage is when. When is a parent supposed to teach their children? Thou shalt teach them diligently. Okay, Lord, I'm supposed to teach my children. My wife is supposed to teach our children. We're supposed to teach them. When would you like us to teach them? He says, well, you should do it when thou sittest in thine house. So when you're just at home, sitting at home, you ought to be educating your children. And when thou walkest by the way, when you're out and about running errands or uh, out and about uh, uh, in life, you ought to be educating your children. And notice, when thou liest down, when you go to bed, that's a time to be educating your children. And when thou rises up, that's a time to be educating children. And this is not saying that you have to be homeschooling 24 hours a day. But look, our job is to be educating 24 hours a day. Amen. 
Now, I think you ought to have a homeschool program, and I think you ought to have uh, textbooks and have some sort of system and make sure your kids are getting a good education. But listen, it's not just putting in the hours during the school day. You need to be teaching and communicating and training your kids all day long. You say, when does God expect you to teach your children? Well, he expects you to teach them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You say, that sounds like all day. Exactly! When you get up, when you're at home, when you're out and about, when you go to bed, God says all that time, I want you teaching your children to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. You're supposed to be with your kids at all times. You're supposed to have your children with you. And if education is not a good enough reason to have your kids with you, how about protection? I mean, let's just be honest. The reasons you should not drop off your kids at a government school is mainly for their protection. For the indoctrination of evolution. For the indoctrination of homosexuality. For the indoctrination of these things. And by the way, you shouldn't be dropping off your kids at a Christian school either. You say, why are you going to learn at the Christian school? A bunch of false doctrines. A bunch of predators are at those Christian schools as well. So what about daycares? There's predators in, in daycares. I mean, we, I just did a video we, not too long ago. I don't know how long ago. Maybe a couple of months ago we did a video about this uh, man, Cain uh, Velasquez, former UFC champion. I never knew who he was until he got arrested, but he got arrested uh, for attempted murder of a man who molested his family member in a daycare. And one of his family members was molested in a daycare. And I guess if you're going to molest somebody's kid, make sure there's not a UFC champion because he went after them and tried to kill them. And, and, and he, didn't, he failed, but he was arrested. You know, you say, what do you, what do you say to that? I say, free Cain Velasquez. I say, give the man an award. You're supposed to have your kids with you. By the way, this is why at Verity Baptist Church, we're family integrated. We don't have Sunday school, and we don't have children's church, and we don't have those things. We, we never ask you to leave your children and drop them off somewhere where you're not there with some stranger. You say, why? Because we believe it's your job, mom. It's your job, dad. Like I talked about it this morning, to protect your children. And look, you have to protect them from the indoctrination. But listen, you need to physically protect them. I don't talk about physically make sure they're okay. Here's, here's a reason why not to send your kids to, to uh, public school. How about all these mass school shootings in America? You say, oh, there's not that many of them. Okay, here's a list of the most deadly mass school shootings in America. Columbine High School, April 20th, 1999, 13 deaths. Red Lake Senior High School, March 21st, 2005, seven deaths. West Nickel Mines High School in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, October 2nd, 2006, five deaths. Virginia Tech University, Blackburg, Virginia, April 16, 2007, 32 deaths. Sandy Hook Elementary School, Newton, Kentucky, December 13, 2012, 26 deaths. Oikos University, Oakland, California, April 2nd, 2012, seven deaths. Umpqua Community College, Roseburg, Oregon, October 1st, 2015, nine deaths. 
Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, Parkland, Florida, February 14, 2018, 17 deaths. Santa Fe High School, Santa Fe, Texas, May 18, 2018, 10 deaths. These are not all of them. These are just the, the ones with the most uh, 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 death, the deadliest mass shootings. There, there's way more uh, than this. Most recently, Robb Elementary School, Ovalde, Texas, May 24, 2022, 21 deaths. And you know that at Ubaldi, the cops stayed outside of the school building and waited for 50 minutes before going in. While children, we're talking about second graders and third graders, who had went out and got the cell phone from their dead teacher, were calling 911 asking for the cops to be uh, to come into the school and rescue them, stating, we can hear the police outside the door. Please send them in. He's still shooting at us. They waited for 50 minutes before going in. Now, I, you know, I don't know all the details about this, but I can tell you right now, every one of those cops should be fired. And, and, and these are the people that you want to put in charge of the safety of your family. My wife showed me a, uh, an article, of, a video, news, uh, a news video of a mother who had one of her kids in this school, and uh, she just went into the school. The cops tried to stop her. She wrestled them down, and she just went to school, went to the classroom where one of her kids was, went to the other classroom where the other one of her kids was, and, and, and walked out with them. Amen. You say, oh, how, how, you know, how did that happen? You know how it happened? Because a mother, a mother loves her children, would take a bullet for her children, would, would face down a gunman for her children. you got 19 paid grown men who supposedly are supposed to keep these kids safe, waiting outside for some order that nobody knew they were supposed to give. And, but mom says, I'll do it. This is why you should have your kids with you. You say, why should you homeschool your children to protect your children? To keep them safe. Just recently, I was talking to Brother Nate. We're out soul winning yesterday. Brother Nate runs a safety team here at our church and does a wonderful job. All of our safety team members are, are amazing. Amen. And I thank God for them. But we're talking about some of the leadership, different structures and, and things we have and, and things in the future. And one thing he mentioned to me was about having leaders that have families. And I, I thought this was really interesting. He said, you know, one of the reasons that it's good to have leaders that have families in the auditorium is because when they have to make decisions, their wife and their kids are in that building. And they've got to make decisions based off, you know, filtered through that. And I thought that's a really good way <laughs> to see it. We need to protect our children. You say, why should we homeschool? We should homeschool to educate. We should homeschool to protect but thirdly tonight, let me give you one last one. We should homeschool to influence our children. Amen. To influence them. You say influence them from what? Well, there's a couple of things you want to influence them from. One is from a, a way, from a worldly influence. Go, go to Proverbs 23 if you would. Proverbs 23. While you go there, let me just read to you a couple of verses. You should know these. Romans 12.1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a loving sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Bible says that we should not be conformed to this world. 1 John 2.15, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read this for you. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. You say, why don't you want to send your kids off to some uh, schooling system? And here's why, to protect them from worldly influence to maintain an influence on your children and and you want to homeschool in order to influence your children and you want to keep them from a worldly influence i'll read to you just a little bit more from these articles in 2011 the national center of biotechnology reported that 75 percent of high school students reported having used addictive substance including tobacco alcohol marijuana and other illicit drugs 75 percent 46% reported to current use of addictive substance. And one in three substance-using students met the medical criteria for addiction. According to the monitoring of the future database, high school seniors self-reported that 24% are binge drinkers, which they defined as five or more drinks in a row at least once in the past two weeks. 17% are current tobacco cigarette smokers, 8% misuse prescription opioids, and 6.5% are daily or near-daily marijuana users. According to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration, one in five high school girls binge drinks, which is defined as four or more drinks over three hours. According to the CDC, almost half, 47.4% of high school students have had a physical relationship and lost their virginity. 22% of those that are active in that area of high school students reported having used alcohol or other drugs in that process. When you send your kids off to one of these school systems, you're literally sending them into an environment where the vast majority of kids are doing drugs, drinking alcohol, fornicating, and, and, you're, and you're saying, here, go spend 40 hours a week with these people. And what the, those are the students. And then, and then the, the teachers are a bunch of LGBTQ reprobates. You've got to consider the world. You say, well, that's why I send my kids to a private school. Let me tell you something about these private schools. Private schools are just the place where rich people send their brats where all, all the, the, the rich people's kids that got kicked out of school for being a bunch of hoodlums, they're just in the private schools. You say, why should I homeschool my children? To protect the influence on your children. To not, look, you say, well, they're, they're going to have to deal with it in the world one day. Yeah, they're going to have to deal with it in the world one day when they're a grown man. Yeah, well, they're going to have to deal with it. They're going to have to hear that music, and they're going to have to he- listen to that language, and they're going to have to, you know, see people drinking and smoking and those things. Yeah, do you understand there's a major difference between a 25-year-old man that's married and has children and is rooted and grounded in the Lord going to a workplace and having to deal with those things, that there's a major difference between that and a 7-year-old? Right. Right. Yeah. 
And an eight-year-old and a nine-year-old being exposed to pornography and all sorts of filth. They're going to have to deal with it eventually. Okay, well, let them deal with it when they're adults. After we've raised them and taught them and instructed them. But don't throw them into that when they're in kindergarten. Have to be read books about my two dads. So why should we homeschool in order to influence our children? That's, that's why we should homeschool. You want to keep them from worldly influences. Go to Proverbs 23. Let me say this. We want to keep them from competing influences. See, there's worldly influences, but there's also competing influences. We talked about it a little bit this morning, but let me just develop it a little bit more. In Proverbs 23 and verse 26, the Bible says, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. The Bible teaches that God has given us our children, and they are on loan to us. Children are the heritage of the Lord. They belong to God. They've been given to us to raise for God, for the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I tell you this often, we are not raising children, we are raising adults. We're raising children to be grown men and women that love the Lord, that are secure in their faith, that are productive members of society. While we're raising them, we want to have influence in their lives. We want to have their hearts. We want them to look at us and and to see us as individuals that they want to listen to, that they want to uh, allow us to advise them and counsel them. We want to keep our children's hearts uh, when they're little, when they're little babies and toddlers and young children. You have their hearts. But as they grow older, you want to work at keeping your children's heart. What does that mean? Keeping their respect, keeping influence, so that as they grow older and they don't have to listen to you, they would still listen to you just because they love you and they respect you. My son, give me thine heart. But let me tell you something. There are all sorts of things out there that are competing for that influence. Do you realize there's other adults competing for that influence? There are teachers who want to be able to influence your children and override your influence. There are coaches who want to influence your children and override your influence. By the way, there are youth pastors who want to influence your children and override your influence. But it's not just adults, peers, friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, All these individuals end up overriding your influence if you do not protect your influence. We've all met the teen. Some of you have been the teen who listen more to your little boyfriend or your little girlfriend or your little friends than your mom and dad. And you pay dearly for it. My son, give me thine heart. There are those who are competing. Do you understand there are people who want to steal your children's hearts? Go to 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel chapter 15. You find the one and two books. They're all clustered together. 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, 2nd Samuel chapter 15. Leaders are supposed to have influence. Leaders are supposed to have the hearts of those that they are leading. Whether it's a husband with his wife, 
a father with his children, a mother with her children, a pastor with his church people, um, whatever it is, a boss at work with his employees. You want to have influence. You want to have their hearts. But there are those who are competing to steal that influence. 2 Samuel 15, look at verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass after this that Absalom, remember we talked about that this morning, Absalom lost respect for his father David because David failed to protect his daughter Absalom's uh, sister Tamar. That Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and five men to run before him. And Absalom said unto him, Excuse me, I, I, I skipped a verse there. I had it here on my notes, but let me just turn there real quickly. 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 2. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Notice verse 4, Absalom said, Moreover, O that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. What's going on here? I want you to realize this. David is king, and sometimes his followers have issues. They have a controversy. Notice there again, verse 2. Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate, and it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king, they had an issue, they had a problem, they had something they needed to get to the leader about. They went to their legitimate leader or authority, the king. But Absalom would step in and he would begin to flatter them. Thy matters are good and right. And he would begin to criticize the leadership. But there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. He would begin to lift himself up. Oh, that I were made judge in the land. And I would do him justice. Notice verse 5, and it was so... When any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. Notice these words. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. I mean, here we have a perfect example of how it is that you lose influence. Your kids have a controversy with you, and kids are going to have a controversy with their parents. They, need, they should have controversies with their parents because mom and dad should be saying no at times. But it is at those times when they have a controversy with you that some Absalom will step in and say, oh, your matters are good and right. The, the, your parents are wrong. There's no man deputed of the king to hear. Your mom doesn't care. Your dad doesn't care. Oh, that I were made judge. You should listen to me. This is how it works. This is how it works. This is why adultery happens. Some woman goes off to work and she's having a bad day with her husband and disgruntled with her husband and some guy steps in and says, Oh, you're right. You deserve better. He doesn't understand. Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. By the way, this is how church splits happen. People come into church, and 
People have controversy sometimes with the pastor or the pastor's wife. You say, why would they have controversy? Here's why, because we're leaders and sometimes we say no. Sometimes we say no, that's not going to happen here. No, we're not bringing in the NIV. No, we're not bringing in rock music. No, we're not bringing in uh, all sorts of trash. And, and, and there's a controversy, and then, and then some guy, some gal wants to step in and, well, you should have dinner at my house, and oh, they don't understand, and oh, you know, word to God that I were made judge in the land. Look, you got to be careful with these things. This is all the, and, and what's always funny to me about this is that, you know, you know the reason that Absalom is able to spend all day, every day at the gate? Talking to people, shaking, I mean, the Bible literally says he's shaking hands and kissing people. He's like a politician. He's just kissing babies, taking hand, you know. But, but do you understand why? You say, well, where's David? Why does Absalom have all this time to spend all this time with these people, to steal the hearts of the people? Where's David? You know where David is? He's running a kingdom. That's why Absalom has all this time, because he's not running anything. It's always funny to me how people want to come into a church like this. They're like, well, we've had everyone in the church over to our house, and we've told this and that. It's like, yeah, well, if you have to preach three sermons a week, if you have to do the counseling that I have to do and that my wife has to do, you might, we, you might not have all that time either. But this idea that hearts can be stolen, and you want to be careful with your kids because there's competing influence for your children. Other adults who want to Steal the hearts of your children, teachers, coaches, youth pastors, other peers. Be careful. Be careful about how close your friends, your kids get to these other kids. We want them to be friends, but we, we, we don't want their relationship to become so close that it overrides your relationship, mom, and your relationship, dad. Amen. Peers and friends and boyfriends and girlfriends. Be careful about the stealing of the hearts. That's the reason you want your kids around you and you want to have a relationship with them and care for them and love them. Go to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. We're, we're almost done. Ecclesiastes. You kept your place in Proverbs or from Proverbs. The next book is Ecclesiastes. I've given you biblical reasons to homeschool. Biblical reason number one. You want to homeschool to educate your children. Biblical reason number two. You want to homeschool to protect your children. Biblical reason number three. You want to homeschool to influence your children. Let me just finish tonight by giving you two warnings and, and, and answering two questions. Because when it comes to homeschooling, and I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm for homeschooling. Now again, I realize that not everyone can homeschool and, and, not, and sometimes it's just not possible. And, and in those cases, I'm not against you and you're not a second-class citizen around here. We love you and we love your children. And, 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 but, but I am saying is if you ask me, you know, what's the best thing, I think the best thing is to homeschool your children. I do want to give you two warnings when it comes to homeschooling. The first warning is this, do not, and I don't think we don't struggle with this at our church at all, but do, in fact, I think we have the exact opposite, but be careful about, do not desocialize your children. What I mean by that is that, that children need fellowship. In fact, we all need fellowship. Acts 2.42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Your kids need socialization. Oftentimes when you talk about homeschooling, one thing that people bring up 
is, well, are my kids going to be weird if I homeschool them? Aren't they going to be weird? Now, let me just give you a couple thoughts, okay? First of all, yes, we've all met. We've all met that family that it, they homeschool, and they're all just a bunch of oddballs. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you, you can tell, you know, they, they come out of the house, and it's like they've never seen the sun, you know? I mean, it's, it's, we, we've all met those weird kids. Do those kids exist? Yes, of course. But it's not because they're homeschooled. It's because they're homeschooled by families that don't go to church, that don't go anywhere. Because we've got literally like 70 or 80 kids in this church, and they're all normal, socialized children. Well, how do they get socialized? Well, they go to church Sunday morning. They go to church Sunday night. They go to church Wednesday night. They go soul winning on Saturday. They go to this event and that event. They're just constantly with their friends. So they're socialized. And look, don't people get this idea like, well, if they're homeschooled, they're going to be weird. Drive by a public school. There's a bunch of weird kids at the public school, too. Let me tell you something. There's some normal kids at the public school. There's some weird kids at the public school. There's some normal kids being homeschooled. There's some weird kids being homeschooled. It's, it's all the same. But just make sure you say, well, I'm going to homeschool my children, and we're just going to be in our house, and they're never going to leave our house. And, and, and look, homeschool your children and be part of a local church. And go to church and bring your children to church and come early and stay late and let them fellowship and go to the homeschool field trips and go to the homeschool PE class and go to the events and go to the young men's workshop and let them be kids. So do not dissocialize your children. But let me say this as well, because these are tendencies that, that, that I've seen with homeschoolers. Do not make homeschooling an idol. Some homeschool families, they, they make homeschooling this idol where it's all about education. It's all about, and I'm all for education, and we ought to learn. But let me tell you something. The number one priority is God. Yeah. And giving yourself over to education will not answer all the questions you have in life. But God will. Yeah. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Let me just share a couple of verses with you. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. Notice what Solomon says. He says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. In Proverbs, Solomon gives us all the wisdom of Proverbs. But in Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells us it's at the end of his life, and he tells us about pretty much how he messed everything up. He was very wise, but he made bad decisions. And he says in verse 13, I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. The sword travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. Look at verse 16. He says, I commune with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to greater state and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. Look at verse 17. And I gave my heart to know wisdom. Look at verse 25. I applied my heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom. Here's a man that gave himself to education, gave himself to learning and understanding. He applied his heart to know and to search and to seek. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 12, and by the way, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, I hated life. In Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12, he says, And further by these, my son, be admonished, for of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. I'm just here to tell you something, that the pursuit of education did not fulfill Solomon and left him empty because you can make education an idol. 
do not become one of these people that worships education. Say, what should I worship? Worship God. And God will give you wisdom, and God will give you knowledge, and God will give you instruction. But just some warnings for homeschoolers. Make sure your kids are socialized. How do I do that? Go to church. It'll take care of it. Pretty much, let me just, you know, just in any area of life, here's the answer. Go to church and do what the preaching says to do, and you'll be fine. Amen. But don't make homeschooling, because I, I meet these homeschool families where they literally have made an idol of homeschooling. And you know what? That's never going to work out. Your kids are not going to turn out the way that they, need to be turn, that they need to turn out. We need to put God first. And I'm not saying, look, I'm all for education, and I think that, you, that children should be educated, and my wife and I have taught and, and tried to help, and, and my wife has done seminars on homeschooling and stuff, and we've always taught, you know, make sure that you're not one of these homeschoolers that isn't doing anything. You know, we think kids should get up at a, at a decent time, and they should, you shouldn't just be in your pajamas all day. You should get dressed, and you should have times for school, and you should have textbooks, and you should have tests, and you should have all those things, we, and you should have books you read, and all of that. Make sure your kids are educated. But don't make an idol of education. Go to Proverbs chapter 1. So two warnings and two questions. Here's a couple of questions that we get asked. What if I'm not qualified to teach? What if I'm not qualified to teach? Well, let me just say this. You are qualified to teach by virtue of the fact that God gave you children. If God gave you children and then he commanded you to train and educate those children, then he has given you the ability to teach those kids. Say, but what if I don't know what I'm supposed to teach my children? Well, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 5 has the answer. Proverbs 1 5 says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning... And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. You say, what if I don't know how to teach the kids? Okay, well, here's the thing, Mom. You learn and then teach the kids. It's not that complicated. And especially, look, if you're starting out, you're, you got your brand, you know, brand new to homeschooling, you got your one kid or your one homeschooled age child, look, you've got the advantage. They're starting with pre-K. So you just read the pre-K manual and make sure you understand it, teach it to your kids, and then the next year, make sure you understand kindergarten and teach it to your kids. You just got to stay one grade ahead. I mean, are you qualified? Can you understand first grade material? I think you can. And you just grow with your children. And you know, some of these homeschool moms are the most intelligent people you've ever met, the most educated people you've ever met, because of the fact that once they got four or five kids, they've already gone through this process of teaching them how to read and teaching them math and teaching them history, and they're just, you know, telling you stuff and telling... Oftentimes, I'm telling my wife, how do you pronounce that? And she's like, well, the little symbol here means that it's a long A and a short A, and I'm like, I, mean, I went to public school, I have no idea what you're talking about, just write it down for me, please. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. 
Saying, if you're not qualified, I'm not qualified to teach, then get qualified. Amen. And God has qualified you. God has given you the ability to do it. Learn what you need to learn. Get programs. And, and look, as kids get older, obviously kids get older, they start getting into higher maths or whatever. There's YouTube videos. There's, there's uh, uh, programs you can use, and, and, and you can get them help, and, and you can uh, get tutors and things like that. Obviously, you know, there's resources out there for you, but you can do it. And look, here's all I'm telling you. You can do a better job at educating your children than public government employees can. You can do a better job at protecting your children than government employees can. You can do a better job at influencing your children than government employees can. You can do it. So do it. And then, of course, there's a the question, what if I cannot homeschool my children? And here's the answer for you. If you really cannot do it, there's nothing you can do. I'm not saying you, you won't do it or you choose not to because of your lifestyle. I'm saying there's situations where you literally cannot. You're a single mom. You have to go to work because of decisions and things that have happened in life. It's just where you find yourself. Say, so what do I do? My husband will not allow me. To homeschool. What do I do? Well, if you really can't do it, then get those kids under the influence of church every possible moment. Amen. I mean, if I, if I, I tell you this, if, if I was a parent that could not homeschool my children, I would never miss a church service. I'd be at every service. I'd be at every opportunity that I could get my kids under the preaching of the word of God. I would make the effort to do that. So what do I do if I can't homeschool my kids? Okay, you get them to church every chance you get. You read and teach the word of God to them at home every night. You're probably going to have to teach them to read and do math because they're not going to get that at school in the evenings. And then you pray and trust God. And they, they can turn out right. Daniel... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were taken from their families and raised in a perverse culture. and They served the Lord. Moses was raised in Egypt and came back around and refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. It's not the ideal situation, but if you honestly can't, then you just do everything in your power to influence your children for God and for the things of God, and you pray and you teach them at home and you get them under good preaching, and you get them under, uh, under uh, the influence of other families, and, and I'm sure it'll work out. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. But if you have the choice, if you have the choice, I would educate them at home, and protect them at home, and influence them at home, because this is what the Bible teaches. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, I, I pray that the sermon was taken and is taken in the spirit in which it was given. I realize that there are some situations where homeschooling is not possible. And in those situations, we're going to come along those families and be a blessing and help them in any way we can. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us especially young couples that maybe don't have children or their children are young and they're going to have to start making decisions about the education of their children. Help them take heed to some of these things. 
and to make decisions based off what the Bible teaches and what the Word of God would have us to do. Thank you, Lord, for giving us instructions in every area of life. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.